0: Welcome to the How I Went Viral podcast. This show will tell you how to write better LinkedIn posts so that your ideal reader can see and read more of you. Every week, one LinkedIn author shares their strategies and tactics so that you can learn how to write better posts, and you will learn the background story behind their viral posts. Your host is the Hollywood-trained film script analyst, entrepreneur, and LinkedIn influencer, Simon Chapuzzo.
1: Hey, Welcome to the next episode of the viral post podcast. This week, we have a guest I'm very excited about, Moritz Kaiser, who has been a quite recent LinkedIn poster. He joined the platform, but he is quite fresh. I would say in the world of business and work, he left uni one and a half years ago, he's been working for one and a half years and started his LinkedIn journey only four or five months ago and had a quite interesting journey that he will tell us more about in the next minutes. Welcome,
0: Moritz. Yeah, thank you so much. That was a great intro. Yeah, so I think on LinkedIn, I started one year ago as a lurker, like everybody who started as a lurker, Uh, just looking at other people's posts. And then over time, I only discovered a couple of months into LinkedIn that there were people actually posting valuable content because until then I only had like job postings and, hey, I got a new position, which was really boring. But then I discovered more informative posts and then four and a half, five months ago, I took the leap and started posting myself, you know, I became one of those rare 5% that are active on LinkedIn.
1: And you've proven that it's worth the effort because you've grown phenomenally from basically zero to today you have how many followers?
0: 18,000 something.
1: 18,000 followers in four months, which I think is a phenomenal growth.
0: It's been a a hell of a ride, so to say. Not what I expected. Of course, a bit what you hope for, but it all happened very fast for sure. And there's always a lot of new things to learn with that, of course.
1: And I hear we have a third guest on the show, which is your cat.
0: Yes, unfortunately, I'm sorry. I hope I can keep her mostly quiet. it's cool. sometimes she's also voicing her opinion, keeping me in check.
1: Does she have her own LinkedIn profile?
0: Not yet, but uh, that was an idea. As I've seen a couple of Instagram profiles... Not on LinkedIn, yet, But that would be a first trendsetter.
1: You are not the typical solopreneur um, that we see, people who post for their business. You work for a company, you have a real life and you do this on the side. So that's something that I always find interesting because some employers embrace it, others don't. So maybe we can talk about that as well. But what I'm really interested in today to talk about is your journey. So let's first talk quickly about what is your background, what you do, and then how did you get into
0: LinkedIn? Yeah, for sure. I'm still employed full time, actually 100%. So that's of course always a challenge. So how did I get here? I finished my bachelor's degree. I actually had that also going. So the last three years I've been studying full time and one and a half years ago, I started my internship at a Swiss software company in marketing. And that's kind of how I got into the field About seven to eight months ago, I started following people on LinkedIn that were actively creating content, and I started learning kind of from them. They were kind of the first creators, influencers on LinkedIn that I, that I met and that I, that also had a big influence on me later. One of them, for example, Matt Barker, the English man, copywriter, I learned a lot from him about copywriting and also he was one of the inspirations to finally start posting on LinkedIn as well. And then about five to six months ago, I changed jobs and started full-time parallel to my studies. Also, one month later, I started my LinkedIn journey. As you said, I uh, kind of started out just with personal posts and then went into, because it was really a, a progression, learning the entire thing, learning what actually interests people, what is interesting me, and then find the the holy middle ground. And once I found that, things started clicking.
1: Okay, I went back in your timeline and I saw you started with simple text posts and that was more about talking about your, your study experience and your work. So what was your initial intention going to LinkedIn?
0: The intention behind starting to pose was a bit diffuse there wasn't one specific goal it was more like an experiment of seeing if i can do this and where can i take it i knew the the possibilities of it that i learned worth of a personal brand can be but i didn't have a vision for myself yet there was actually a lecture at university that i was taking at the same time called personal branding so i really took that as my kind of trigger to just start and don't, because I've always been kind of a person that tries to plan and get things right and have everything in place. And I was noticing that, and then I just said, nope, we're not going to do this this time. So I just started posting what came into my mind, kind of trying to model off of the guys that I've been following uh, that were successful, but I was a bit off (laughs) at the beginning. The text posts, I kind of modeled after Matt Barker, who was doing mostly text posts at the time as well. But the content of those posts was the content of a beginner, so to say, which might not have been always very interesting to others but it's kind of the necessary steps for me to overcome the fear of posting and being judged by others and finding finding a zone of confidence where I have a field of expertise that I can share about because that was also one of my biggest struggles where I was like, I've been in the working field for one year now and only doing an internship, what would I actually have to post about? And that was a big struggle that I then overcame, luckily, because I just said, hey, I know stuff about copywriting. I didn't know one month ago now. And if I share that, people that are at the place where I am one month ago might be very thankful for it uh. because I wish I knew all these things sooner. And so that's also still right now, like the main mentality behind what and why I am posting is to help my past self improve and learn about copywriting much faster uh, than I did. I
1: think you've taken it from Justin Welch. Doesn't he say that everybody has to teach something to some Body who's one step behind. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. He was also, I mean, I guess everyone that goes <laughs> to LinkedIn at some point crosses Justin Wells' uh, profile, but yeah, for sure. He was, he was one of the guys that show. also had some inspiration there for my personal brand, for sure.
1: Cool. So I hear that you just got started to sort of feel your way. And as you went along, you also identified a topic that you felt confident to talk about coming from this notion that you can share, that you can now share things that you've learned that other people probably not know. sort of like you take this one step ahead of other people. And then the other thing that I saw is, and you touched on it, you started with text posts in the beginning. There are some people who do only text posts, like just Welch on the the Barker and others. And then I saw not, I, I can't tell you what exactly, but you started then experimenting with the single image frames. And then that sort of became slideshows. Tell us about more. Tell us more about that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of the the progression, I guess. You have to go through where you started posting, you've made your first steps, and now it kind of like you've jumped into the water and now you have to learn how to swim. That's kind of how I did it. And so I kept looking at also what worked for other people. And I saw that posts with images generally got more engagement I got more reach so I tried to find content that was relevant to me that I could support with visuals to make the content more engaging because on LinkedIn you have to work with very limited space in the feed if you're just a text post you get about maybe a thumb width of content that is displayed and after that you have to click on see more But if you come in with a visual, you almost get, especially on mobile, you get most of the feed to yourself. So you have a much greater chance of of capturing attention. And then, yeah, I experimented with a couple of visuals. And I was still at the same time also posting on Twitter, which I soon realized was too much work to scale both things up. But I saw people, especially bigger accounts taking threads from Twitter and just taking screenshots of them, putting them on black backgrounds, uploading them as a PDF to LinkedIn, which is a smart way to repurpose your content. So I tried that and I got, at the time, uh, very good results on those compared to to just my text posts. So I was like, okay, this is a content format that works, but because I was struggling too much maintaining Both of them, I was trying to find a way to keep the carousel format without having to take stuff from Twitter because I was putting Twitter on pause. So that's how I got to carousels back then that I just created myself in Canva and uh, have been improving on until this day.
1: One thing that I always find interesting is to, if one works with carousels or images To work with the dynamic you can create between the hook line or the the image that you have on the first page. And how do you work? I mean, do you first choose the image or you first write the whole thing down? Then you think about
0: an image that you can use or what is the process for you? For the beginning where I just combined the text post with an image or in the carousels?
1: Well, both. Let's start with the image and then the carousels.
0: All right. (laughs) With the text pose with an image it's more direct the combination because the visual you have only one visual so so it really has to match the text pose but I think I still went from an idea that I first had, wrote out a bit of content, and then I tried to find a visual that fit that content. But sometimes I found a nice visual and went kind of bottom up from the visual, created the idea of the entire post, and then wrote down the hook and the different parts of the actual post. And with the carousels it's I mean from from the visuals and the design it's it's mostly the same because I work with a with a template now that I just recycle. Where it's really just uh, the hook and subtitle, and then of course the bullet points or whatever comes on the next slides is being changed and updated sometimes if there is really something relevant that i could put visually on the first slide to emphasize my hook i do that i had one pose with my latest carousel template where i was talking about emotional adjectives that you can use to make your copy stronger and less boring so to say and i confused the emotional flywheel that is often used in therapy and I just added that image to my first slide and it, it got a lot of reactions in the comments because a lot of people were like, Hey, I recognize that image <laughs> from therapy. So using a visual that really fits of course it's also a bit of luck for it to resonate, but it can really help if if you get good visuals in there. Because we're visual people. We we read with our eyes. Let's trust that.
1: On that note, I would like to hear your thoughts on something that I hadn't really seen a lot of people talk about, but I believe there's some sort of a conditioning of the audience because once you have followers that uh, follow you because they like your content, they are conditioned to follow you. And I do get the whole thing, yeah, I have a great hook line and all that, but uh, to come back to Justin Welch, I don't really care about his hook lines because I know whatever he writes is good. Looking at his history, I also feel like he went through a certain evolution, but now people just see the brand and read what he writes. I think the more people you have and the more consistent you are with what you do, uh, there's a certain conditioning happening with your audience because they get to know you and you sort of train them to gobble up everything that you put down. Have you seen anything? Have you any thoughts around that? Have you noticed something similar dynamic in what you do with your posts?
0: Yeah, for sure. That's kind of the goal of your personal brand for not having to rely solely on your hope, but that when people see your image in the feed or your, your tagline or something, which you always see in, in the feed that they're like, ah, oh, they immediately stop. I mean, I have that. I noticed that, like you said, with Justin Welch and there are several other creators. I just see the image. I mean, one technique there is people have specific background colors for the profile pictures, which make their images stand out. And that's always a big factor for me to kind of recognize if a, if a post is relevant. I don't even care about the, the hook line at first. I read that, of course, then, but it's more the person that makes me stop. And that's, of course, the goal. I see that for myself as well. Not as much as I wish to, to be honest, though. Or maybe it's just my perception because, of course, I'd wish more of that. But I'm like, I'm myself. I can't really judge that. So I have to go of some, some proxy measures. But, of course, you notice it kind of from the you build a certain audience that is always in your comments they always comment on you some of them Much faster than others. Of course, my posting time is usually around between 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. I try to get it a bit more consistent, but of course that means that people from my audience from the United States they won't be able to engage with my posts or the majority of them until late in the afternoon when they start to wake up and get on LinkedIn uh, because not everyone gets on LinkedIn like first thing in the morning. At least I (laughs) post and to give yourself half an hour to wake up properly. Yeah, that's certainly something that I'm seeing and that you're also building for. Like that's that's the entire goal of, of your personal brands so, for sure. Yeah. Cool.
1: So interesting to hear. And so coming back to your evolution text posts, simple images, then the slideshows and the slideshows become sort of very simple in the sense that you just mainly use graphics. Always the same graphic and then work with text that came together with you honing down on one topic, which is primarily copywriting. So that became your, your expertise for LinkedIn. Or is it also something you do at work? How does, how does that work together?
0: They too are for sure linked. It's not my sole or primary focus at work, but it's definitely one of my core competences also at work. For LinkedIn, it's, it's become my main expertise, but that was also like I was clear from the beginning that copywriting was gonna be one of my pillar topics. I also have psychology of marketing and the psychology behind copywriting as a kind of side pillar because that kind of correlates with my studies. So I studied psychology and I find that really interesting. When you actually know those theories, a lot of the things and techniques you use make a lot more sense and you're like, hey, I recognize that, I know how that works. It's not needed, that knowledge of how it works. For most people, it's enough to know that it works and how to use it but I try sometimes to educate my audience also more on the concepts and theories behind it most of the time that gets less engagement though and <laughs> people like the more actionable and the, the tactics and tricks and hacks that they can all use right away so what have
1: you seen what works because as I went through your feed, I could see that some things work better and others not. What what are sort of like your key takeaways now that you found your topic with copywriting and the slideshows?
0: I mean for me it's probably also because of the topic as it's copywriting, it's mostly actionable content that's very concise and clear. Uh, that resonates the most like for example my post from from monday with one simple copywriting exercise 400 plus uh, likes and uh, also was one of my top performers from the last two weeks and it really showed me again that if it's actionable and people can or feel like they can use it right away they they love it and engage way more with it than if it's something a bit more abstract but at the same time you see people like Sahil Bloom or others that post insanely unactionable content which is way more like philosophical but they get huge engagements of course they've also built a huge audience but it's more like a, an account that just blurts out random philosophical thoughts some of them are actually actually cool and interesting like it's they, it's their personal brand and people come to them for them for that. And I feel also like the bigger you become as a creator, especially people like Justin Welsh, Cy Hill Bloom. I think one thing that also the bigger you get, the more you become kind of too big to fail if you keep posting your content, because people come to you to engage with you, uh, like people like me, because I know a part of my audience is gonna be in their comment section. So if I am active in your comment section, I get a higher exposure, more people come to my content. It's kind of self-sustaining them. Mm. It's from me.
1: So I think yeah, that, that's an interesting thing you're touching on here with, with engaging in other people's content. So you still act, um, actively engage on, say, just watchers or, say, Blooms content? For sure, for and sure. you can see a sort of people coming then to your profile after you've commented on their posts. So what, how, how does it work?
0: There's no, or at least I don't have that insight, but, or no other way to track that. Like there's no real direct attribution of that, but I see that when I post and I haven't as engaged as much or with big accounts prior to posting, my own post is gonna perform much slower and worse than posts where I engaged a lot prior to posting and also a bit after posting. And so it's definitely a key factor. Because it's a, so, it's a social platform.
1: Do you see a difference between going to post from high performers versus like average people in terms of how it enhances your own
0: boost, your reach when you post your piece? If there is a difference between engaging with people that have good content, high performing content and low performing content.
1: Exactly. So let's say you before you post, you comment on five low performing people as opposed to five high performing ones
0: i feel like that's the case but i haven't really been experimenting enough with it because i don't really want to risk it to a b test it actually for a week so it's a bit hard to say but i feel like sometimes when when there's maybe sometimes when i'm a bit earlier on linkedin then not as many creators because a lot of the creators i engage with are also from the us or post later in the day, haven't posted yet, and then I only have medium to smaller accounts to engage with. And I feel like then the engagement is is a bit slower. But of course, there's always exceptions to the rule, but that's kind of a a bit of a gut feeling. Yeah. Interesting. That's so
1: cool. So Before we get to the second part of the the show, which is your viral post, what is the strategy that you follow? I mean, you do not offer any training, so anything you do is free information, value information. Do you build an audience to get to a point where you can offer some training or is it sort of like just for fun for you? What what is your big game plan here?
0: The big game plan is not completed yet. Still working on that. Checking on the world. Yeah, exactly. As of now, it's kind of building an inbound lead machine that kind of helps me then to become independent maybe at some point, which of course might cause some conflict with my employer, but we'll see about that later. (laughs) And it's really what I'm right now doing right now. I've started experimenting with Gumroad. It's a platform where you can easily, within five minutes, upload kind of a digital product you have sales page ready and then you can just share the link under your post. and so far i've just uploaded three resources that are for free but i've actually generated some income through that where people actually kind of tipped me so i guess there is a a willingness to to pay for content uh, from me which is kind of a nice product market test uh, for me so I'm working on getting that down a bit more and working on building through ConvertKit at the moment because ConvertKit has a bit cheaper rates and commissions than Gumroad. And also it's just a more complete platform where I can also start sending a newsletter from to collect email addresses, build that email list. That is one of the most important things uh, for creators. Uh, At least that's what big creators always say. Uh, because you don't really own your audience. like They can easily fall off, or the algorithm, or you get blocked on LinkedIn. But if you have an email list, uh, you can always send them emails. For example, if I, if I were to create a course or trainings, so I could send out emails to this audience, uh, which would then allow me to, to monetize this, this audience, the, the attention that I've been able to get and collect.
1: Your viral post? I think you did that in December.
0: Two days before Christmas. I think. So it was like a
1: Christmas gift. It was a slideshow sharing your insights on Apple and Apple's marketing tips and tricks. Tell us, how did you write that post? How did you come up with the idea for that? What were your expectations? Because I think it was also one of the early slideshows that you did with proper images before you started using templated graphics that you still use so that was a very visual slideshow
0: yeah yeah for sure i guess that was one of the big factors for success because uh for so the origin of it was a medium article that i found on copywriting tricks used by apple so i kind of like picasso said great artists steal so i i still the idea and I went on to Google Apple ads and just uh, images of Apple products and then I took images that had a piece of copy on it and that I could analyze where I saw something that stood out to me and was like hey okay the reason this ad worked is this this and this and then I took those images added them into a carousel explained why that worked the technique behind it and kind of put that together that way and so i guess the reason it worked so well was one it was a carousel so you have the basic visual aspect then you had all the examples which made it very easy to follow to understand and also kind of probably to to replicate and then apple so my my hook was eight copywriting tricks used by Apple. So Apple, that resonates with everybody. Everybody knows what Apple is. That's like, you call that stolen authority when when you steal kind of authority from someone else by using their brand or name in your post, which worked to my success here.
1: And how did you post the thing? Did you expect anything? Or you thought it's just a little slideshow and then sort of like it, it went crazy? take us take us through yeah. the first minutes
0: and hours of the post so it was a sunday i think because on that day we had we had a reservation for a brunch with a couple of friends so i was a bit in a hurry in the morning i had put together the carousel the night before and then i went on to linkedin i engaged a bit and then i I posted the carousel and then we had to go. Then we were at the at the restaurant at one point because there was a bit of a, a lot a couple of people waiting. So at some point I opened LinkedIn and I have a lot of my notifications disabled because I, I don't like notifications on my phone. So I didn't know beforehand just from, from my looking at my phone. So I went on to LinkedIn and then I saw within LinkedIn the little notifications thing was was popping off and I looked at it and it was like 100 likes or something after 30 minutes or something. And then I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is something. And then I didn't pay too much mind. I wanted to focus on the food, which was delicious. (laughs) It was (laughs) great. Uh, We had a great time. And then we got out of the out of the restaurant like one and a half, two hours later. And I looked at my phone again and went onto the post because I was curious, okay, how I how had it performed after I looked at it at 100 and it was about 600, 700 likes or something. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. This is serious now. Something's really happening. And then I started to also engage back and started answering comments on the way home. And it just every time I, I refreshed a new 100 likes came to it and i think at the end of the first day we were well past 4000 likes or something about 500000 views and it was a shock to me because i had not expected that to happen not that day not with our post i thought it would go well because i was very happy with the product like with the with the carousel but I had no idea that will go that viral. And then over the... I mean, it just kept going over the next two weeks. It kept amassing views and likes. I think right now it's sitting at 8,000-something engagements and 1.5 million views or something. And the majority of... My followers, or right now, maybe half of my followers, still come from that post. So that's like that was really like a key driver. Like in the book that I'm reading right now, Psychology of Money, uh, he's talking about tales that have the biggest impact on actually most of the things in life. And this is really the one tale that had such a huge influence on on the last two months of my journey here on LinkedIn.
1: So did you then respond to every comment for the next two weeks? Or did you sort of (laughs) like take it easy?
0: Yeah, I tried. But I think a couple of comments went unanswered.
1: You can now apologize, Chief
0: Yeah, I remember spending a lot of time on LinkedIn, at least until Christmas. So the two days after posting and then you gave up and then i and then i went just enjoy christmas you gotta have some distance then to linkedin which was quite hard because there was a lot of dopamine released in connection with that uh, which was insane and a moment i think i was a bit annoying at some points to my family or brother by constantly talking about the pose constant yeah yeah, I was check just checking my phone because I was like looking for the next booster of dopamine by, by checking the newest likes. But yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the the dark so side. So how
1: did you then wean yourself off the dopamine addiction? <laughs> was it cold turkey?
0: Not turkey. We had goose, and it's, that's what we eat here in our family tradition, at least. No, but how to get off it? Uh, it's it's hard. Just have to really limit yourself and not go on LinkedIn all the time. Try to forget about it a bit, focus back on, on the essentials and don't get too carried away by it and just focus on, focus on the next one, which was then calmed me down a lot because it didn't perform as well as at all, like the viral post. also uh, that's.
1: So are there things that you then took from that post that you continued or uh, sort of like learnings so that you tried to replicate and sort of seen that maybe didn't work that well because that was an exception, which I think viral posts usually are,
0: what, what are the things you took? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Away
1: from that post?
0: One thing that's kind of become. One of my standards is to try to embed as many examples as possible. Also visual examples like work with screenshots and other things to emphasize kind of the the points that I'm communicating and to make it more... understandable for the people reading my posts i think that's kind of the, the key takeaway and then that carousels work well so since then i've posted 99 percent carousels i think one or two text posts
1: that was the turning point for you was that one you went straight for carousels cool That was very interesting. Let's let's wrap up with a quick tangent on you and your relationship or I don't know. I think there are a lot of people who feel like because they are employed for a company, they hold back on posting and being themselves. What are your thoughts on having your own brand and being employed for somebody by somebody? Does your employer care about that? Is... Don't they care? What is it like? What were your thoughts or how do you embolden people to just do your thing and sort of start posting?
0: It's tough. It's for sure tough because there is this fine line between it's my personal profile and I should be able to do whatever I want with it because it's it's a social media profile. And on the other hand it's very job focused so a lot of people associate directly with work Uh, sometimes people only start setting up their profile because of work maybe because the employer asks for it to have visibility out there that's of course more complicated then. But I had my profile long before I took this job. So it's my personal thing. And then I never really asked for permission. I just started it because I was doing it in my free time. I made sure I never checked my phone during work, except for maybe when I was on the toilet and on lunch break. But I didn't take any extra toilet (laughs) breaks. So it didn't negatively impact my my work.
1: Did they say something when you had the viral polls from yeah, was that noticed or is it sort of like completely under the radar? No, yeah.
0: it, it got noticed. I was approached by by my boss and also another co-worker that was saying they are getting so many notifications because they're connected to me and they're and because they also work <laughs> with me and LinkedIn knows this that we work together, so they got a lot of notifications that my post was going is going off and that I get a lot of reactions. So they came to me about that, but so my uh, my employer once said, I mean he he's very cool with it. He's we have a good relationship there. Uh, he he said that I have to have to give him some of the followers at at, at some point, and and I said yeah for sure. I mean I'm, I'm working in marketing, so I'm always happy to help him start his own personal brand on LinkedIn because I I believe depending of course on what you're doing, sometimes it's not the best thing to do, but it can pay off big time, I think. So I'd be happy to help him build his own personal brand there. Um, Yeah, for sure.
1: True. That's what we do on LinkedIn, help each other build our
0: brands. So I guess for other people to know whether they can start posting on LinkedIn and do their thing is be clear about if it's your profile or if it's a company profile and like if the profile is really for the company. Because I know people that their profile is strictly branded for the company that they work for. And then of course, it's very hard to, to start posting and do, do your own thing because especially also depending on how you use your profile for the company that might hurt the reputation of the company or in relationship with others, but be clear about it, sit down with your boss. Maybe if you have a good relationship with them and tell them, Hey, I want to do this, maybe give a couple of reasons. In the end of the day, if, if they don't allow with that profile, create a second profile. <laughs> that, that can still work. Uh, the super profile blocked then. Maybe, I don't know, maybe there's uh, some problems with identity theft or, you know, <laughs> but you're stealing your own identity then. If you have two profiles, I don't know. It, it can be tricky, I guess. Be open about it. Don't try to hide it and start the conversation. Maybe be the, be the first to talk about it. If, if it's something you want to do and you're unsure about
1: cool so i think i've asked everything that i wanted to know i mean there's so many more things I but just... we want we want to be respectful of your I time appreciate so yeah thank you for making time and answering all these questions any closing words from your side that you want to get rid of and want to share yeah what should listeners know? Where, they, where can they find you on LinkedIn for sure?
0: Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. If you want to connect with me, just make sure that you create, that you write a personalized invite because I'm getting swamped in connections. And if you don't have a personalized note, there's a big chance I'm just going to skip you because there is way too much going on. I probably need to hire a VA at some point. But no, key takeaway is, or at least my key takeaway that probably could help also a lot of people, which is easier said than done, is just start. The rest will follow. The only way you can actually learn and improve and get better at writing hooks and content that performs is by getting out the getting your first post, experiencing how shit it is, and then just learning and improving from there. Like the the faster you fail, the faster you improve.
1: And I think you're a great example in that regard because you tried it and you succeeded, I think, quite rapidly. I think the growth that you've seen over three, four months is phenomenal. For sure. And uh, you've shown that you can learn very quickly and adapt. You're very, very agile.
0: But again, I mean, it was not overnight success. Was, I had one and a half, two months of posting literally every day that went nowhere. And then I over the time, I, I started getting better. And then the one overnight success came based off of that. All right. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you, Barad. And have a good evening. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. It was so much fun talking about this. Thank you for listening to the How I Went Viral podcast. We would love to see your takeaways from this interview. Please visit Simon's profile on LinkedIn and leave a comment or ask a question on one of his LinkedIn posts for this series. If you like the show and want to listen to conversations with LinkedIn influencers, please follow Simon on LinkedIn and subscribe to the company page of StoryLux.